Welcome back to another Night Shift Football Podcast, episode 146. We're winding it back. We've got, there's no intro tonight. There's no no Cooper. We've got the OG lineup. It's just me and uh, Tommy over there. How you doing, man? I'm great. How good is this? I feel like we've thrown <laughs> off it? the shackles of like teen angst. And finally, we're back to where we belong. Microphones on clotheslines. Yeah. Doing it raw. I'm nervous that something might arise in which we need to have a stat or some sort of Google on hand and like the early days and we, and we just don't we don't do it because Cooper's not here. So um where, where, where is he? Where? Uh, that's a he, good question. He tells us he has a a meeting. Now, emergency. I find, during fringe time, I find that hard to believe. In fact, I find that extraordinarily hard to believe that he has an actual work meeting and is not off on some crazy parklands adventure in the streets of Adelaide. He is suspiciously missing in action again, isn't he? Each he is. year during this the months of Feb and March, like yep. it's unrelated to the fringe, you'd think. You were going to trust in our good friend Cooper, but mm. like he keeps really tight lipped about the debauchery that he gets up to during this period. <laughs> I think Maybe I've narrowed it down to a couple of shows that he oh. might be performing at. You got a list of is this a you're plugging some fringe shows here for this is a, Not, a what Cooper could potentially be at right now or be participating in and performing performing in. in. Yeah. I reckon he's performing he's in a, these. He's, he's got an alter ego somewhere along the line. Because you don't get emergency Monday night meetings. It's a lie. Yep. I think Who's, so. Who's organising them? It's a Monday. Yeah. So what have you got? What, what's he? What's he performing in? You think? I think it could be any one of these three. Okay. Um, I was scrolling through the the list, flicking through the fringe book. Everyone should get out and see a show. The first one I thought, Cam Venn, Shark Heist. Sorry. I, I think his alter ego name is Cam Venn. Uh, just l- let me give you the little descriptor. You say something a precious, about a shark. A precious jewel. A killer shark, okay. a retired thief back for one last job. Right. Now, the reason I think this might be Cooper's is because it goes on a little bit more and asks, if you've seen Bulls Deep or Charles Horse <laughs> Lays an Egg, strap in for your next wild ride. If it's your first time, <laughs> lucky you. Uh, Cooper, Cooper's got, he's got away with words, so I th- feel like he's penned this one himself. Shark heist. Yep. Is that what you said before? Yeah, shark that's, heist. That's crazy. Uh, that's a possibility. What else have you got? Uh, thick Jesus. Oh. Yep, with two Cs, Thick Jesus. Okay. I don't know too much about it, but okay. just okay. Thick Jesus. I you think, think Cooper could be the Thick Jesus. Yeah, he's got fundamentalist vibes to him. The one that I really think that he's performing at tonight uh, is a show called Tethered. Okay. If you're looking for raunchy, this is for you. Oh, no. Let, let me let me just lower the tone quick. Experience the intricate and erotic form of binding known as shabari. <laughs> Awaken your desires and question Golly. your inhibitions. We're not going to tell you what to do, but maybe don't bring your mum along to this one. Sheesh. Well, I hope Cooper's mum's not gone to have a look then. That's <laughs> That doesn't sound good. That I, doesn't sound good. I think I want to rule out. The shark heist. Fair. Sounds think, too original. Uh, yeah, I think. And then I don't want to. I want to rule out the shark heist. 
I also want to rule out thick Jesus. Although there's an element of that, you know, when uh, was it John Lennon who said the Beatles were bigger than Jesus? Mm. Is this Cooper's way of saying that Night Shift Footy is is Jesus or is bigger, bigger than bigger than is the Beatles? Thicker, thicker than Jesus, even <laughs> if you will. <laughs> Night Shift Footy is thicker than Jesus and bigger than the Beatles. That's what he's trying to get at. But, no, I doubt that very much. I think it's definitely the whatever the most raunchy fringe show there is, I believe it's that one. Okay. Yeah, it's the one I, where he's suspended from the ceiling covered yeah, in ropes. Well, uh, okay. Uh, I also hope that we remain friends with Cooper for a long, long time and he never turns on this to sue us for defamation because this is very character-breaking, I believe. Shall we talk about football instead? That's why we're here. For sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's your football. Um, Bigger Cooper than the Beatles. Have, Cooper will have known this was going to happen when he wasn't here. <laughs> he would have known we were going to do something like this. But anyway, let's talk some footy. I'm going to take it right back to last week's Champions League. There were four games. One of them was your game of the week from last week, Tommy, which was Inter 1, Atletico Madrid. Neil, was it a game of the week? Did it pan uh, out no. how we thought? No, it didn't. I went 3-0 Inter. I thought it was going to be game of the week because Inter were going to come here and absolutely flex their muscles and show that exactly why they're going to win this or at least make the final again this season. Yep. Um, they did it in a sense because it was pretty much to game plan as to what you were suspecting is that Atleti went there to not play football at all. Yep. Well, they did. The possession stats are a bit more split than I thought they would be. and um, But the shot count kind of says a lot. A lot more shots for Inter. Five on target to none, seven to six off target, but seven to one blocked as well. So they definitely had the the better numbers there. This uh, I'm nervous for Inter now. This kind of sets up a bit. Of, I, Atletico love this. They don't mind taking back a one nil deficit, do they? Oh yeah, this is exactly what they were asking for. I mean, for sure, you prefer nil nil or even to jag a goal, but we've seen so many times in the past. Um, under Simeone, the, the ability for Atleti to take the game back to Spain and beat a better opposition after grinding out a result like this, it's Definitely. textbook. Yeah. Um, I, what I liked in this game was Anatovic scoring, and he is a guy with an interesting story in football, isn't he? A, a weird one, yeah. Yeah, like he's he's played for some big clubs. He's been, you know, idolised at, you know, kind of more mid-clubs, I would say. And for him to get a gig in this interside at the moment and to be scoring in moments like this could be the making of him later in life. It's not quite the um, – who was the, the other guy that played for Barca and then went to Stoke or whatever? Was it Z- uh, Shakiri? It's not quite the Zerdan Shakiri arc, but Anatovic is, is of similar calibre. And um, mm, he, went, he went to Inter as depth this season and finds himself uh, popping up and going – he's their first go-to sub up front. After so they start Turam and Martinez as much as possible, and then and then it's him. Um, Alexis Sanchez not quite in the in the same mix there, but yeah, Anatovic getting he's got a few goals off the bench in Serie A, um, contributes here and there. Handy player to have, I guess. But yeah, yeah, for sure. And you know, got them over the line in a much needed game uh, can, and, uh, for a much needed goal. I can see all sorts of shithousery going on at the Metropolitano. In the Maybe the second leg. leg should be the game of the week. Like. Maybe, but Atletico games in the Champions League are often just shit me to tears. They're antics. They do my head in. Um, the other game <laughs> that morning was PSV 1, 
Borussia Dortmund one. I can't remember what we predicted in this one. I think we said that Dortmund might win, but it was a pretty tough trip to the Netherlands. Eindhoven going pretty strong in, in the Dutch league, but uh, this team is not good and they've come away with a, an away draw that I think they'll be pretty happy with in the end. Which team is not good? Dortmund? Dortmund. Yeah. <laughs> After their weekend antics, definitely. Yeah. Has it got more to do with the kits that they're employing this season? I think it is. I think everything to do with Dortmund's downfall was due to that shit kit. It's the worst <laughs> kit I've ever seen. They wore it. They do that thing where um, heaps of clubs do this now where they wear it in their last game of the season or whatever. Mm. The season before mm. they're going to wear it. And so yes. Dortmund wore this like stupid, that. ugly, horrible shirt on a day where they should have won the Bundesliga <laughs> and they fucked it up. And now they're stuck wearing this stupid thing for the rest of the season. It's got a stupid silhouette of the stadium on it. And it just looks looks crap. And uh, yeah, but they were not good in this one. They were, I don't know, they let they let PSV kind of bully them a bit at stages and get really on top of them. And that didn't really look like they were going to find a winner. But um, PSV ended up edging them out in the possession stats as well. So and and the shooting. So. Not good signs, but I think going home, get that yellow wall up and about 80,000 plus. Uh, I don't believe they have to put seats in anymore for Champions League games. I think they can still have it standing in the yellow wall, but don't hold me to that. That could be fake news and Cooper's not here to Google it, so we'll never know. <laughs> we'll never know. That um, That's an incredible operation. I didn't realize that they had to do that. That's a pretty mm. fuck thing that you would yeah. expect a club to do if you allow safe standing. Nonetheless, I thought you would be uh, extraordinarily stoked to see Luke de Jong on the score sheet, an old favourite of yours. Is this sarcasm? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> Definitely sarcasm. I'm just going to move it on. Um, Napoli-Barcelona was the next morning, a one-all draw. I don't know if you caught any of this one. I had my eye on the Arsenal game, so I didn't didn't see much of this. But a draw between these two, I still think it's a flip of the coin uh, heading to Barca. Yeah, pretty much. Whoever wants to turn up, I suppose. I mean, the first leg definitely played out that way. Uh, ebbed and flowed, and they both had moments. It, yeah, you would give it to Barca now, just home ground advantage. Um, but, you know, now that there's no away goal rule, it really is just 90 minutes now to win a football match. Yeah, absolutely. Um, both of the big boys up top shining, it'll probably, re- it'll probably be, you know, relying upon them being able to shine in their individual capacity yeah. again. Who, who's going to be the match winner, Osman or... Or both both teams with up and down uh, league form, Napoli even more so than Barca. I, I th- part of me still thinks Napoli will get this done. Mm. I, I just new, new manager bounce. Yeah, Napoli. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I just think they're. I don't know. They've they've got a few X factors in there that Barcelona, Barcelona just they can't string continuous games of solid defense together and. I, I can see them just shipping a few in this one. That's my prediction anyway. We'll we'll do those previews when they come around. Uh, I think there's a week off of the Champions League. Um, mm-hmm. And then eventually it lines up with the Europa League once they jump into their knockout rounds and stuff after they had this weird qualifying round with the teams that finished third in the Champions League group stage playing the teams that finished third in the Europa League. I guess it's just uh, bonkers. I can't keep More track. Football. And there's conference leagues and there's cup winners cups and into Toto. I don't know. Um, <laughs> Porto Arsenal though. I had an eye on this, and I think I remember saying to you in the group chat that Arsenal just looked like they, not that they didn't give a fuck, but they were trying to play uh, with as little energy as they could and still control the game and win it. And they did for the most part. They were kind of control, not controlling it, but they looked comfortable. They looked like mm-hmm. they were probably happy to take a nil nil and then. 
if the chance come up, they were trying to still score and you thought maybe they'd have the quality to end up grabbing a goal, but they didn't in the end. And then they just, just some silly lapses towards the end, gifting the ball away a couple of times in the, in the space of 30 seconds um, in the back third resulted in a, a nice finish, but I think a, definitely a preventable goal. And Porto now take a lead to the Emirates. 100% pre uh, preventative goal, unfortunately. Like you said, the the loose balls given away in a period of a game where you're just you're a couple of minutes away from getting pretty much exactly what you want. Because if you play Trossard up front, don't know that you're going out there with much, you know, attacking intent. To be honest mm -hmm. with you, are you just are you trying to get Martinelli and Saka involved, and they're going to be your outlets in this yeah. game? Um, it doesn't quite work throughout. I don't know that it's. It, you know, I, I'm torn on this because I thought the way that the Porto players reacted in the challenge throughout the game uh, really dictated how it was played, the tempo, uh, the ability for Arsenal to string passes together and, you know, get any kind of momentum moving. It's no surprise that you know, Arsenal had double the foul count or they had most of the foul count in this one. It's, uh, I don't want to say a blight on the game because it's, I guess it's a tactic, isn't it? And that's my question to you. Is it? Is it tactical what Porto did in this fixture? Because you can't always rely on scoring that late goal to take a one-goal advantage. Uh, I think they recognised a danger on the counter, and they did it well. They did look dangerous on the counter when they got the chance. Arsenal, uh, I guess, and they just had like Pepe at 40 years old just making sure that everyone was where they needed to be. To Bonkers, dude. Yeah, it does, it does my head in. <laughs> <laughs> but he's still going strong. He's, he's such kicking. a leader too. Yeah. Um, yeah, that just, I don't know. Arsenal had zero shots on target in the end for all their possession, which is just really disappointing. I will say, however, I, I've been enjoying not having to sit there and watch Enkedia suit up and play as the as the striker. Uh, maybe this was <laughs> the game to do it. No, nah, I don't want to go that far. But they've been trying different options there rather than Enkedia starting while Jesus is out for... However long again. So yeah. how many fingers do you have on both of your hands? Who oh, knows? Doing my head in. All right. That's Champions League. Uh there's nothing really new to report on that. There's a week off and then the second legs come around and then uh they redraw it, don't they, for the quarterfinals? It's, mm -hmm. it's back on again. And that's when oh. that's when we really kick into it. Yeah, that's when we kick in. Because all of those fixtures were pretty much as we alluded to. They would be not great. Yeah. And they just <laughs> they didn't deliver at all. All right, let's talk English football because there was a cup final overnight, the EFL Cup final, the Carabao Cup. What did, what was it in our deck? The Carling Cup? The Carling we Cup. Younger, the Carling Bring it Cup. back. I much um, prefer that to the Energy Drink Cup. The Car yeah, the Carabao. Is that like a, some sort of moose thing? <laughs> <laughs> what, like an animal? Or are you talking yeah. about a sweet treat? What's, is a Carabao a, a like, isn't that in the logo? Is it some sort of moose? Like a Carabao even? Is that I'm, an just I'm just picturing all of the I'm players standing up on the Wembley stand eating like a little cup of mousse now because it's a... I am going to look it up. Yeah, Carabao. It's a... Oh it's my energy gosh. drink. It's like a... It is, but it's also a type of water buffalo from the uh, the, the Philippines. Well, that makes entire, that makes so there much sense go. to me. Um, but I swear on the logo for Carabao is, the, um, is some is sort of thing with horns. Well, not yeah, a moose, water buffalo. Uh, some sort of water buffalo. It is. It's a buff. Look at this. This is what a podcast. I'm now, what, what is, I've now Googled what is... <laughs> the League Cup logo. 
And it's, oh, my God, there's fireworks, actually. On Google, you Google Carabao Cup final, there's fireworks go off, little animation. And, yeah, there's some sort of water buffalo head on the logo. So there you go. We got to the bottom of it. Thanks, Cooper, for your help. Yeah, appreciate it, bro. Phoned it in as usual. There's nothing more English than a water buffalo. So this it feels in keeping with I, a competition that only pays 100 grand to the winner. I agree. Um, 100 grand to the winner. I don't know why you'd want to be in this competition any longer than the first couple of rounds if you're these big clubs. But anyway, Liverpool and Chelsea found their way there. And it was a... Uh, Oh, it was a pretty entertaining one for a for a 1-0 extra time cup final. It has KG written all over it, but I don't think it was too bad in that. The atmosphere was pumping and as uh I just like seeing seeing crowds get around it still cuz fans want trophies and they got one. That's it. The fans really bought into the competition and um for us it's easy, I think especially for me who supports a club that is never going to win this kind of trophy. It's easy just to throw pot shots and say oh it means nothing. It's yep. Mickey Mouse whatever. Um, but you could see, you know, a sold out Wembley, and that they were fucking at each other's throats. And I think it, I think it kind of plays into the history now that Chelsea and Liverpool have of contesting cup finals against one another. Um, and they they seem to have a habit last season, the previous season, where it just continually were nil nil uh, arm wrestles. Some of them not, you know, one of them was really really bad, but this one was entertaining because it was more free flowing. Um, there was more chances more great saves, and it, it probably has, you know, mainly to do with the fact that 16 players were out across both sides for this fixture, and it's it's like it's almost as if there's too much football being played. <laughs> too much football being played, and we have this one where they they have to give up give up Premier League weekends to, to fit it in, and now they've got to play a catch-up game, squeeze it in somewhere else. Um and they've got a midweek FA Cup fixture coming up as well, which is just another fixture on top of it. Talking points. Where do you want to start? Uh, well, what, what did you think was the most egregious? I think the foul. The tackle by Casado on uh, Gravenberg. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I'm not, I'm not doing this to be alternative. Uh, but this one falls for me into the footballing incident category. Sheesh. Okay. I don't think that he has intentionally gone out to hurt him. Because I'm not, I don't see it in his game. Like maybe someone could bring oh, it up in you? the past. I, d- I just, it looked more to me that he's changing direction and trying to plant his foot in order to move away after he wins the ball. It would be it would be really sinister, and you'd be like, almost <laughs> you, you'd be talking about Joey Barton levels of fouls. If that guy's actually gone out there to fuck him up. Mm. I think it's uh, it looks it's kind of late. <laughs> it's it, pretty it's pretty it's, late. He, yeah, he doesn't get to the ball first. That's for sure. Yeah, um, I think a lot. I just think he's very lucky. I still don't know where I stand on these. Like, I think we all agree now. I know that you, you and I and Cooper are pretty well on the same page when it comes to the tackles and the slides that are, you know, if your studs are up and you're over the ball or you're, you know, things like that, then you're walking, you're going, you're having a shower. Yeah. These ones. That's how they want to ref it. These ones here are harder. I think, I don't think it should have been nothing. Oh, it has to be a foul, right? It's got to be a foul and like. (laughs) This is in the orange territory, isn't it? Where Oh, you want to bin him. I'm not sure if he I'm not sure if blue what's the blue card gonna be for? Um 
I don't know if he, I don't know if I want to see reds for it, but I, I, you need to see something for it. It's pretty bad um, mm. and just really, really clumsy. You just got to be smarter than that. I yeah. Think. Look, it's a booking if it pleases the audience. I don't, I don't care too much for it because I just, I didn't see the sinister nature in it. But yeah, it's over the ball. It's hurt the guy clearly. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of exaggerations online about how he's snapped his ankle in two, and the man's think, never going to walk again. Yeah, just like Harvey Elliott, he's been killed. He's, been, he's going to magically resurrected to play in a a Carling a Carabao Cup final. Uh, nah, let's call it Carling from now on. Filipino water, water buffalo. buffalo, Filipino water buffalo cup final, and um, they couldn't even yeah. get one on the pitch for the occasion. No, I think I think he's very lucky still because. We see, we've seen a lot less given red cards, I think, over the mm-hmm. season in the Premier League. Just this weekend. And, um, yeah. Uh, like, I, the first one that comes to mind was, I think it was, uh, was it McAllister? Or was it Sean mm-hmm. Sly? Earlier this season, had one at Anfield where it just, there was nothing in it. He was putting his foot up to take a touch and he was given red. And there was mm-hmm. no, there was no force at all in it. His foot was just dangling in the air and a player, mm-hmm. and it's collided with someone. So, yeah, he's very lucky to get away with that on VAR, especially on when VAR. considering the VAR wants to sit there and look at goals like this and determine there's <laughs> offsides. What did you think of this goal being disallowed for Van Dyke? Uh, it's look, I thought it was a travesty of football. What I want to do is read out um, Cooper's comment that he made this morning about it because sure. I think I think he sums it up best. And we're really unlucky not to have him tonight to be able to unleash the tirades that he would want to because he was quite peeved off with his weekend's football. Yeah, he was sounded like you usually do, where he's going to quit the game and he's, he's I'm over it. <laughs> he's finally snapped, man. He's been red-pilled by VAR. Yeah. It's all a fix. He said this this morning, uh, it just does my nut in. Like if this goal is scored in a pre-VAR world, not a single person anywhere on any platform notices that Endo was offside. And maybe or maybe does not stop Colwell clearing this ball. Hmm. The next the next bit is the bit that I enjoy the most. But instead, we've got some little greasy fucking nerd with a world of power in a box <laughs> making shit up as he goes. And I'm fucking that over it after this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and it man. just it resonates, man. It makes so much sense. Cause We've said that we've said this for a while, and I think a lot of people have said this. And I, this is what we feel: is that where the games are being overanalyzed, are being overrefereed, and we're looking for any excuse to disallow a goal, which yep. is not the reason we have VAR um, intervening in the game. Yeah, I agree. I don't think it's I don't think it's the most horrendous decision I've ever seen. And certainly, I'm seeing the argument that you could, if you really wanted to, you could make the case that. The player that Endo blocks could get to where the ball is and all that. But it's just not why this was brought in, like you said. And this is not, mm-hmm. I don't want to see goals being chalked off for things like this. And in a cup final as well, or in any game, we don't want to see goals being just ruled out. Um, this whole idea of what is obvious and what's not obvious is just completely gone out the window. And we were told when VAR came in, it would only be for, you know, huge howlers. It's to stop howlers. The linesman and the referee have not made a howler here by missing that offside. And once they once they think he he might be involved or whatever and he is offside, they're always gonna give it and disallow it. Mm-hmm. And it just does my head in. It's 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 fucked. It's it's no it's good sh- for the it's game. Shambol- it's shambolic in a way, because that's the kind of thing that will turn people off. And if Liverpool don't win this game, 
um, and that goal is ruled out, then they've got a huge, a huge arsenal yep. of, of crying up their sleeve that they are willing to do, and they're they're totally in their right to do. Yeah, we we can't be making these like was it um, Mike Dean on Sky co co commentary? Post, yeah. Um, he said the only thing he's got an issue with is that Endo may well have blocked the player that may well have been coming back with Van Dyke in the edge of the area, but you, don't, you can't lock any of that in. None of that is certain. It's speculation um, off a replay. You're trying to judge someone's intention. Off a replay, yeah. He says Endo is watching the defender and stopping him from getting back into a position to make a challenge, blah, 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 yep. blah, blah. Where the ball's drop-in zone is, that's where Colwell would have been, and that is why the goal has been chalked off. It's well, subjective offside. Uh, yeah. Is it? Well, that's the thing. That if you want to be super technical, yeah, Endo starts in an offside position and then spends his whole involvement in the play blocking another player. And so he yeah. has given them a reason to rule it out. But that is just superseded by the fact, like Cooper said, nobody is going to look other than a Chelsea supporter and notice that he was marginally offside and then didn't foul Colwell, just blocked his line of run. Yeah. And as we saw later in the game, very difficult to mark... Liverpool defenders in a set piece. It's been highlighted. I don't know if you've noticed any of this. Um, I think Carragher was talking about it. It might have been Neville, but Arsenal do it really well on set pieces this season. We saw them again on the weekend. Um, just some of the little blocks they put in on their corners so that um, yeah. their big guys can get on the ball. It's just, it happens everywhere. It's just one of these things now. If we're going to be nitpicking goals and looking through them like that, you're going to find something. In, in all of them. Every goal. Every goal. Definitely. You're going to find it's something. Very, it's yeah. very basketball in that way, isn't it? Because they're they're laying presses and they're laying blocks yep. in order to free up men in the box. And I, I don't see an issue with that unless your arms are around the guy, in yep. which case then you are, you know, you're manhandling him. And just my biggest gripe now is, again, on the, the clear and obvious error part where it's happening with penalty decisions. It happens with red cards. It happens with everything where it's like we're, we're just – we're not waiting for a howler. We're looking at something. Oh, that that could have been that could have been this, or it could mm. have been that. So let's, let's check it. it. Well, we don't need to. If if you weren't watching it straight away and thinking, oh, that's that's clear as day. That's blatant. Then don't don't fucking that's have it. a look at it. Don't tell that's the referee. It. Just let the guy in the middle referee the game. All right? Precisely. That's it. Yeah. If he's not seen a foul there, and if the linesman hasn't caught the offside, well, then it's fine. Yeah. In one of those moments, it's fine. Most of them suck enough at their jobs already without help from someone else who sucks even worse. <laughs> That's the worst part. It's a it's a lesser referee telling the main referee what to do. Um, is there anything else from this game you want to talk about? We didn't really talk about the goal in the end. Van Dyke popped up with the winner eventually anyway. Um, but mm -hmm. another half hour Liverpool have had to play. I, I know Chelsea have too, but Liverpool are the ones in a title race here and still with um, the Europa League to come, I think. And... Um, yeah, another half hour with the injuries on their list won't be nice. No, definitely not. Uh, it makes sense why Klopp brought the kids off the bench. Was, in a sense, one, to conserve any kind of legs that he could going into the um, the run-in in the Premier League. Yeah. And two, it ended up being a masterstroke because he brought on guys that were hungry to win their first piece of silverware yep. against a tiring Chelsea side. Um, so it was just a double treat. It worked perfectly. Like, if you're going to gamble and throw kids in a situation... You're going to get one or two things, aren't you? It's going to blow up in your face and someone's going to make a mistake and it's going to cause the you know the goal that leads to you not winning the title. Or they're going to see it out and they're yeah. going to do 
they're going to look impressive. And I thought a few of them did look really impressive in this. Love that. Let's move it on. Um, oh, firstly, I do need to thank Jurgen Klopp and Liverpool for not letting Michaelo Mudrick win a damn thing. <laughs> he's never, never. I mean, on that, he's joined a side now that's not won a cup final in their last six. Ooh. I thought he was, job, the difference. he was going to be the difference. Premier League footy, let's talk this. Usually uh, usually we would go through the list of games for the weekend before we record and I'd ask you and Cooper which ones you had any notes on, but we didn't do that this week. I've just got some scores here and we're just going to plough through, I guess. Um, if you have anything on on these games, I'll uh, throw to you and we'll, we'll chat about them. That's how podcasts work, isn't it? We talk. Sure. Um, yeah, a little bit of back and forth. You yeah. bring something up and I try and retort with something funny. Yeah, I guess. Funny. How, is that what how you long have we been doing this? Is that what you do here? <laughs> oh, if that's not it, then I am severely wasting a seat on this podcast. <laughs> Aston Villa 4, Forest 2. I was thinking coming into this that some of the teams down the bottom had, uh, you know, some some big lapses. Uh, Ast- Nottingham Forest, not so much a big lapse, but a big loss. Um and Everton also dropping points when they were trying to survive. Oh, they had a 1-0 lead against 10 men, and they let that slip. Burnley were crucified after some own mistake, some mistakes of their own. Uh, just a real weekend where the bottom ones just, just couldn't get themselves away, aside from Palace. But Aston Villa, pretty ruthless in this. I was going to come at it with the angle that Forrest did themselves no favours by being cut open just so easily. I thought they were defensively pathetic, but I think we need to actually just give Aston Villa credit there. They're the, they're the fourth place Premier League side for a reason. 100, 100. I mean, the way that you can go 3-0 up in a game as easily as they did, where it seemed like every second attack was going to result in a goal. And it, it almost yep. did in a sense in that first half an hour. Um, that's that's how you start a game against a relegation threatened club. And when you are contesting for points that are going to lead to European places, they did everything correct. Um, they switch off midway through which you know, yeah, they did. They, they let Forrest back into the game in a sense on the scoreline, but it still it never felt throughout that Villa were going to slip up and throw away uh, a win here. They always feel like they're going to score more goals in these games, um, mm. and just the big they, guys contributing as again, like Ollie Watkins, Leon Bailey, uh, Jacob Ramsey, Douglas Louise, uh, John McGinn, all all you know, all their main guys stepping up and uh, lots of contributions across the board. Yeah, because Forrest is a side that allows a good team to click because they are, I think, you know, my my theme for the season. Yeah, they're shocking. My theme for the season in the Prem is going to be top heavy, bottom half sides, which is what, uh, you know, I judge most to all of these to be. And they have really good attacking players for us. Alanga, Morgan, uh, Morgan Gibbs-White, you yep. know, Owen E when he's going. Hudson Adoy, I mean, he's played in the Champions League final, Christ's sake. Yeah. But then you look beyond that and you're like, geez, I don't know who any of these guys are, number one. Number two, they don't look like they've played mm. together for long enough to be able to defend a well-oiled Premier League unit from scoring against them. I just constantly get the feeling when I watch Forrest that they're the only way they're going to be in a game is when the opposition are their own worst enemy. Which, they have to make mistakes. Which Villa a little bit were in this one and kind of letting mm-hmm. them back into this after putting them to the sword. Um but even then, they were still good enough to just, once they had turned it back on, Forrest weren't really getting near him. So, no, it's a damning indictment on Forrest. They are, I mean, this is not a game that they're going to look to get three points from. If you can get a point, that's a bonus, I think, in the run in. 
Um, yep. So for them to score twice, I think it kind of it gives them a little bit of a bolt going into training during the week. They got bigger games coming up. For Villa, they did their job. Sure. Brighton drew with Everton one all, as I just mentioned before. Another missed opportunity here for a team at the bottom. Everton uh, found themselves one nil up after a great goal from Branthwaite, uh, about twenty to play, and then Billy Gilmore got sent off for Brighton, and you'd think Everton would see it out from there and grab three very big important points to put some pressure on Luton, who didn't play this weekend, and they just couldn't get it done. Pascal Gross with some magic to find Lewis Dunk towards the end there with a couple of minutes to play. Huge missed chance from Everton. You would think a Dyche-led Everton would be able to see out a 1-0 lead away from home against 10 men. Yep. It's, this is his most depressing situation. This is the one where he goes home <laughs> and he grumbles into his tea for the rest of the night thinking, <laughs> this was the one. He's just yelling at his wife in his graveled voice, this was the one. Yep. I. It's yeah, like you said, they've thrown it away. Um, the Billy Gilmore red card, yeah, I guess it's a it's a red card, sure. No worries. Yeah. Is it? Is it a know. football? You said the Casado one for Chelsea was a footballing incident. This one, I said that one because I think he genuinely is trying to change direction when the ball um, is played by the Liverpool defender. Mm. Gilmore's this trying one, to kick the ball. He's yeah, but he's late. Kind of does. Ball. Yeah, he kind of does in a sense, but he's still, he's late and he's high and he's over the top. Um, I think it's a different kind of action, different kind of situation. I'm happy to have this one sent off. Um, okay. There's there's nuance in the fouls, isn't there? And I mean, this there is the yeah. thing. It's tough. And this is, everyone has a different opinion on what constitutes enough. And so does the referee. And this is why we have just this crazy amount of chat every weekend about red cards. Yeah, I think I prefer the world where they're not all so so blatantly red. Mm. And, um, I'm with the, you. The referees have already planted that seed this season by giving out so many early on for any kind of stud motion. Uh, like I said earlier, we ball. all agree that the reckless tackle that's, even if you get the ball, if you're sliding in like a maniac and your studs are higher, then you deserve to go. Um, mm. But yeah, these ones are just, they come down to the pace of the game, isn't it? Like he's trying to play the ball and... He's, we're talking a split second defender. It really is. Beats him and that's enough to get you a red card these days. Really? It, you need to be somehow reading that you're not quite going to be first of the ball, but you can't be, you know, uh, if he's pulling out of tackles there, his manager's going to fucking spit it at him. So it's a good point. Yeah, Double it's, sword. it's tough. It's tough. We're gonna we're gonna breed footballers that have this kind of capability, though. I think if you instill this in a younger age, sure, sure it's gonna it's gonna cut out a lot of really fun slide tackles. Yep. Um, which get the crowd up and going, but it's probably going to alleviate a lot of injuries. I think overall in this game, Brighton will be disappointed. I think they'll still be disappointed not to get a win. Out of I this. think so too. Yeah. Because yep. they did they did enough, create enough opportunities, good opportunities. Um, decent little game from Pickford there, but... Uh, yeah, this is one that they should be collecting three points and they have not. Palace three, Burnley nil. I don't know if you have anything on this one, but the Burnley's mistake at the back, I was just watching it thinking that this is... Ugh, that's gross. Uh, you just can't afford to be making the mistakes like this when you're no. in, in this position in the table. However, if we do want to flip it around, we have done nothing but berate Burnley in the past for their style <laughs> of football, particularly under Dyche. <laughs> and we have tried to give company some praise for... They are genuinely trying to play football. I think you said last week that you wouldn't be too... If you were a Burnley fan and you were looking at going down, you wouldn't be too upset because 
they're kind of establishing themselves as a team that will be able to go down and play some really solid football in the championship and come back up, um, which might be more fun than just finishing 17th and 16th every season. So, yeah, I don't know. Uh, at least they were trying, but yeah, they just can't afford these fuck-ups if they want to stay in the league, and I think they're they're well out of it now anyway. But Palace, once once they were up against 10 men, they put them to the sword in that second half, and Burnley just ran out of legs, couldn't go with them. Yeah, Burnley are down for sure, and they are preparing for the championship next season where they will probably go on a lesser-type run and be very, very good because they'll keep company. They'll keep a lot of these players because there's not going to be a huge clamour for you know any the, the Burnley fucking centre-forward at the moment. And so you can do that. You can instill a philosophy and a way of a way of playing, and they should be able to get themselves back out of the championship, financially secured. Then they can assault the Premier League again. Uh, for Palace... New manager bounce, baby. We love a new manager. Here they come. Nah, probably not. They'll still finish, what, 12th, 13th? <laughs> yeah, They've got like good that. players again. Um, it'll be interesting to see what he does because he comes well regarded from Europe. He may be another Iriola or, you know, Thomas Frank type. He does something interesting with Palace and that would be fun. And that's Beauty. what the Premier League should be. We'll keep it moving because uh, the form side... That you said we're back in a title race, ironically. Um, Man United won, Fulham two. They've lost. And I've got to tell you, this is probably uh, is this United's worst performance in like a couple of months? <laughs> I like, think it is. They I think had, it is. This I feel like the stats are misleading. They did have slightly more of the ball. They did have more shots on target, but I just Fulham were pretty wasteful in some of the chances they had, uh, particularly some of the missed. The off-target ones, particularly Awobi, he made up for it at the end. But Fulham, Fulham with all the dangerous chances in this one and um, deserving of their win, I think, at Old Trafford. Marco Silva, uh, the Fulham coach, said after the game, we dominated this one and we completely deserved the result. And he is so vindicated by that statement because they did. You watch the game, the chances they created, you alluded to Awobi, um, huge, yeah. huge praise for a guy like this to just continue to shoot throughout 90 minutes Yep, because he took those two early ones on, scuffed them wide, had a very similar opportunity in the 90th minute to win it, buries it. Yeah, Doesn't open it up this time, closes his body, perfect. He thought about it. That's such a model pro way to go throughout a game. Brilliant goal, stoked. I think that was a great result for them. Um, the only person that kind of disagreed post-game was um, Ten Hag, funnily enough. <laughs> of course he did. Uh, the Dutchman said, after these two months, I can't go with that approach, that approach being that they've been dominated and lost. Right. We have gone, uh, we have gone well lately. Uh, we've gone lately very good. Yes. Now we have some setbacks. Today, we could have won this game. We should have won this game as the team showed great character. Okay. The character line, yeah. Brendan Rodgers at the helm at, Liverpool, uh, mm. at United. He's yeah. turning himself into a meme without even knowing who Brendan Rodgers is. The old... This the whole thing that because you've been really good for the last month or two that you can't acknowledge you had a bad performance. Like it was a bad performance. Why don't you just say that? Just say, yeah, we had a bad day. We've been in we we have been in good form. He was right, they have been in good form. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't mean they didn't have a bad game. You know, you can still say they had a bad game and they did. So Yeah. They were missing Hoyland, which is a big loss for them. Um, given he was kind of, you know, the catalyst for the recent good form because he was scoring goals every week. Yeah. So you miss that. You miss that guy. You're relying on Harry Maguire, who 
should have been sent off if you're going to apply the Gilly, uh, the Gilly Gilmore, the Billy Gilmore rule. If you're going yeah. to apply that, uh, Harry Maguire is definitely it's a red card for sure. Yeah, uh, so good to see a little bit more inconsistency. It was a good finish from Harry, but still, they they deserve this defeat. They didn't play very well, and they're Absolutely. so susceptible to this kind of performance. Yeah, the Awobi performance is just one of those for me. It sums up why he probably never stayed at Arsenal or went to any other bigger club. Like he's he's probably at the level he's at. He can have a good impact for a side like Fulham, but you can't be relying on him week in week out when you're trying to trying to push for you know, top spots in the league and push for trophies, which Arsenal are trying to do now uh, before people take the piss. Bournemouth Wouldn't nil. be like that on this podcast. Bournemouth nil, Man City won. I don't know if you've got anything on this. Just City just grinding out one here. I don't think they're at their best and Haaland definitely not at his best, uh, but they still did enough. They just, I don't know if you've seen the goal Foden got, the, the tap in off the rebound, but it's just such like, this Man City thing where they just do the basics right sometimes non-stop and ruthlessly, like simple things like following uh, following the ball or like following up shots, playing a pass and just running into the box because you know that someone's going to have a shot. Like, mm. And I, it sounds silly and it sounds really cliche and basic, but at this level, uh, that split second where you switch off, you see the Bournemouth defender, he has... He has a moment where he thinks whether or not he has to go, whereas Foden's just going and he's running from miles behind and he still gets there first because that's just what City do. They're just ruthless in that final third and and that's that's the difference between them getting three points and not on this occasion. It is fun it is funny how simple you describe it because it is simple. And like the idea that you know a guy's gonna take a shot, so I'm gonna start running from this point. That's not simple in practice because otherwise you would see everybody do it. It's just mentality, isn't it? It's just a trust, a like you said. It's to a stay, trust to stay switched on. Um, and yep. Foden, Foden, one of the best in the comp at doing it at the moment. He pops up with goals just from work rate so often. Uh, he's also—I don't want to say he's only got work rate. He's also a very talented footballer. But True. yeah, um, his um, his goals and assists this season are incredible. Really, for a guy of his age, and for someone that's only just really broken into the team this season. Yeah, like you know, persistently, he's been excellent. Um, I just I wanted I wanted to quote Cooper again just real quick. Sure. Pearls of wisdom. Um, fuck, I'm seeing. Uh, fuck, I'm sick of seeing City beat shit teams one nil. <laughs> that fair. sums this up, I think, to a T. Yeah. There's a time where you you tune into a City game because you want to see him batter someone's shit, and like you're like, ah, oh, this it'll at least be good football and it'll be fun. And then when they have these one nil ones, be or, sadistic. When City win one or two nil, I think I said it the other week. They won two nil at home, and I was like, ah. Oh, I'm glad I didn't watch that. <laughs> like, I don't know. It was probably well, that, fine. That, but That's all they've had recently is one and two nil wins. They haven't really blown anybody away mm. um, other than, you know, other than Huddersfield in the cup, but that's just getting it they're done. Doing, they're doing a Leicester. They're just getting um, it done. Arsenal four, Newcastle one. I don't know if you saw this. Uh, Arsenal just continuing on. They've been pretty ruthless the last few weeks, and that's now 15 goals in three Premier League games putting mm. four past Newcastle. The third clean sheet in a row there would have been pretty nice, but alas, it went astray late. But Arsenal just doing the goods. Uh, Kai Havertz, who I talked up last week, started up front in this one and got himself on the score sheet. Oh, he's good, isn't he? He's good. He's just he's really good for this Arsenal side, which I think is the main thing. Yeah. Is he, we've seen him not fit 
um, recently, especially at Chelsea, just they didn't know how to utilize him properly. Um, but they found a perfect foil in like a false striker, false midfield role for the guy. It's he pretty much acts on his own accord, but within the structure still. Yeah. Um, and you really get to see his talent shine through when you know when he gets the time and space on the ball like he did in this game. Yep. There were it took him or oh, what did it take twenty four minutes to be two 0 up and. Even before that, and then all the way after that, Newcastle never looked like they were in this one. They're really dropping off. Um, it's it's interesting what Newcastle will probably do or how they'll try and operate in the summer down. Um, they This season's not over by any means, but they are definitely slipping out of Champions League contention, so they want to just rescue any kind of European football they can. Oh, absolutely, they're slipping out of it. They're... That I'd say they're gone. They're 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 on thirty seven points and Villa are on fifty two. Yeah, so there's a very you know, very little chance of them being able to draw that back. They're clinging on to staying in the top half at the moment, which they might do just because of uh, West Ham's slide. But Chelsea Chelsea are playing better football now, and I see them picking up more points. So yeah, it could well end up being a ninth tenth finish for Newcastle. They're battling they're really t- with your with Wolves and West Ham and the like. They're in a tough spot as well because. With FFP regulations as they are, they would probably have to sell players in order to uh, invest, in order to create a kind of depth that they need to be able to challenge on all fronts. And so maybe them not making Europe would be a better result for them because they can go back and just have, you know, two or three competitions that they're focusing upon. Yeah, maybe. I I have no idea what to make of any sort of fair play financial rules at the moment, given what's happening with Everton and what happens with Man City and... What happened with Milan and Chelsea, and it just all seemed, which you just have to wait for news to come out and things like that. So, I have no idea whether to speculate on whether they'd need to sell players or not if they didn't make Europe. Um, mm. The other game of the weekend was Wolves one Sheffield nil. I don't know if you have anything on this. There was a little incident between two Sheffield defenders, just some frustrations creeping through. It wasn't quite a Kieran Dyer and Lee Bowyer incident for Newcastle, but. Uh, but it got a little feisty, and I, I was glad to see the referee take no kind of action on it. Nah, same. Uh, like, it was very minimal. If you're going to compare it to Boyer Dyer, I'm not sure we'll ever see a Boyer Dyer incident like that again. Oh, that you was just never know. That was so cool. I would just say, who, who do you reckon would be the most likely to do it to one another? It'd have to be this Man United side. It'd be like Bruno Fernandes and, I don't know, someone at the back, uh, Dalot maybe, he's just pissed him off or rubbed him up the wrong way. Bruno's a baby. He's not going to have a fight with anyone. <laughs> Might be happen. someone more hard. Mudrick versus yeah. somebody. <laughs> it was good. Uh, I remember that like the commentators were like, oh, I really hope there isn't any cards here. Like, just be sensible. <laughs> they don't, just, just tell them to have a word. They'll be right. It's just passion. But Sheffield, kinda, just, they stink. So. I kind of like it. I kind of like it. I think it's. I don't think it's a terrible thing for a side that are consigned pretty much to relegation to be still holding each other accountable because the easy thing to do there would just be to turn around and hang your head. No, I like people holding each other accountable, but swinging hands at each other is not really keeping people accountable. That's just silly. Isn't it? Too far. There's one more game to be played this week. It's West Ham and Brentford. That will have been played by the time you heard this and hopefully Brentford smack them. That's all I've got on that. Tommy, in old fashion here, since it's just us tonight, no Cooper, we're going to... Go back. I've got a Scotland update coming, which we haven't really done this year. I don't think oh, we've done much great. of this since, since Cooper's time on, except for the old firm. And I'm going to give you a chance to talk about some top T20 
tier championship football here. Leeds hosted Leicester on the weekend. Would you love to tell the listeners about it? I would be ecstatic to inform everyone that Leeds United are going up as champions. <laughs> That's a huge call. You can't say that. The gap's back to six points, my guy. So Six points. They're six points off, but they're going up as champions. Yeah, yeah, because Le- Leicester are going to drop points now. They're rattled. We're inside their heads. We've done the double over Leicester, double over Ipswich. What more needs to be said? Well, you don't want to tell the listeners how you probably should have lost this game. Oh, yeah, we were battered. Oh, it was terrible. <laughs> Up until... Leicester is still uh, good. Yeah, no, they're fantastic. They were the best side to come to Ellen Road this season, for sure. They were so just organised. Like, yeah. defensively, their back four is really, really good. It probably still is of a Premier League standard. Um, Vought Fess, he scored a really nice header from a good set piece, has put him 1-0 up. And it was, you know, Leeds are relying on guys like Somerville and Nonto and Ruta to be able to do something individualistic to pry them open. There was just no way. It was not happening for about 70-odd minutes. Leicester at, you know, 1-0 up, had a guilt-edged opportunity for Dakar, who puts the most miserable pass wide of the goalpost when he's one-on-one with Melier. Melia makes a really good save. There's an interesting moment in this game that kind of brings to light why VAR was touted as the antidote to, to all footballing incidents. Yeah. There's, it's, it, it's a cross into the box that the attacking player, the Leicester player, is offside, the one that ends up scoring the goal. So the linesman rightfully raises his flag. But then upon replay, you see that the ball has come and been played intentionally by a Leeds player to the offside Leicester guy, so it should stand. The referee has no way of seeing it because there's a cluster of bodies. Yep. Nobody's done anything wrong. This is the most honest mistake you can think of. But because there's no VAR in the championship, the goal is ruled out because that's yep. what the linesman says. Yep. I like it. I like He's, it too. I saw it, and yeah, he has. I would have probably put my flag up there as well. He can't really tell um, what's going on there. It, it does look like the Leicester defender stoops his head in and gets to it. And gets in to which it, case, yeah. In which case, you'd be right to put the flag up and say offside. Um, I don't know if there were there any other angles of it that VAR would have been able to see. Uh, I guess oh, if VAR, they had VAR, they would have used other angles. And yeah, but, yeah. VAR would have VAR would definitely been able to have seen that that goal should have stood for sure. Yep. Um, All right. Which is why maybe why I'm so ecstatic about the Leeds result because sometimes and it happens very rarely. But you get these in big games where just absolutely everything goes your way. Where you get the, the substitute fullback off the bench equalizes. The other fullback has a long range shot and it gets the wicked deflection and it goes in. Yep. And then you get a deflected free kick through the wall off of Patrick Bamford's thigh and it bamboozles the keeper and goes in the back of the net. You get every kind of luck and rub with the green you can and you take three points from the game. Mm, that's football, people will say. Done. I've rekindled my spirit of football. Yeah, no, you I just, I, I just, I love it. I love it again. You're 90 minutes of Leeds being shit away from quitting the game again for five <laughs> days. All right, I'm going to give you an update on Scotland because I know that we have a decent amount of Rangers listeners. Um, they've Uh-oh. gone top of, they've gone top. They went top last week or mid midweek. Um, either way, they've gone top of the top of the league. Celtic have been so ordinary under Brendan Rodgers, and the results have been just sliding a lot. Uh, a draw, a draw at home to Kilmarnock last week sealed it, and Rangers got ahead of them. Um, 
just a, a real weird season. Celtic have only lost the two games, but five draws, whereas Rangers have lost four and had just the one draw. Um, mm. They'd go two points ahead. There's still, I think there's still two old firms to play because they'll do the split as well, where the top six play each other and the bottom six play each other. I said to a, a mate of mine who is a Rangers fan the other week or the other night that this feels like, not to discredit Rangers at all, but Celtic and Rangers both feel like the weakest they've both been for a long time. Um, probably, in, in obviously. What way? Just in the sense that I guess Celtic had been playing poor football for a while and just kind of getting a bit of luck with a late goal here and there, grinding out with that. They did it again on the weekend. They got two goals after the 93rd minute to get a 3-1 win. Um, but Rangers still somehow just couldn't get ahead of them or that Celtic would still beat them in the old firm. Um, yeah. They've got that wood, that mentality yeah. still. Yeah. Uh, but they've. That character, Sammy. Rangers definitely starting to click along a lot better now. They smashed Hearts, who are third on the weekend, 5 0. So that's that a weird of, result. If you're a supporter of Celtic or Rangers, that's what you want to see them doing at teams like Hearts and that. But um, yeah. Rangers Hearts are on a good run. to get it going. They got a bit of a tough draw. They're still in the Europa League. Rangers, True. and they drew Benfica Oof. next, which is a tough draw, and they could have got someone like a, a Carabag or, or something like that, I think. I'm not sure how the <laughs> – I'm not exactly sure how the draw is done, but – yeah, A ben, Latvian second division side. Yeah. Benfica is a, a tough one for them, but um, who knows what's going to happen from here. It's hard to say. Celtic just don't have – they haven't shown any response, and fans have been calling for a response for the last few months now, and it just – Hasn't been there. The 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 players they brought in for decent money. When I say decent money, you know, I'm talking four or five million for mm -hmm. a defender. And they just Brendan Rogers doesn't want to play him or says they're not good enough or something. That's a bit of a concern. Uh, but sure. if you're Rangers, you're licking your lips now because you can see the wheels falling off at Celtic, and all Rangers have to do is go out and do their job each week and brush teams aside, which they're now starting to do, getting into gear. So watch and see. This would be a good, hey, it's it's a title race at the very least. It's a title race. And we love that. We love a title race, don't we? Yeah. It just depends which way it falls. <laughs> well, it's exciting <laughs> for everyone else. I don't know if you have anything else or if that's done for the week. Uh, we've gone on a little bit with just the two of us. I thought we'd be a bit Yeah, somehow. About... We rambled. Yeah. Um, I wonder Milan... if anyone's still listening. Well, well I don't Milan. know. Is, Co is Cooper the guy that brings all of the, the people in? Are they going to find out he's not on and... We're just talking to ourselves, maybe. Yeah, they've tuned out after the first thirty seconds where you accused him of being in a in a perverted fringe show. Allegedly. Hey, none of them Allegedly. perverted. They're all they're all above board, they're all regulation. Sorry. Their performance, Sam, it's art. Um Milan? You wanna say Milan? I had a look at it. The Giroud penalty, that's uh that's a bit iffy. Nah, it is what it is, yeah. yeah I think what's happens. good there is Atalanta are the team trying to chase the top four and they can't they can if, do they don't, if they don't beat them, they can't. So, yeah, that's it. The, uh, the no, Rafa Leal goal was really good. Wild, really uh, well taken goal into one four nil. Cruised ahead. What happened in Germany? Dortmund lost, Bayern won, Leverkusen won. Leverkusen actually, I didn't mention 33 game unbeaten record. Um, it's the, the highest in German Nuts. football now. So, they've never won it. Leverkusen, they've always, I was telling you on the weekend, they've been, they've mm. been one of those top four, top five clubs for like, I feel like forever. Um, they finished runner-up five times. They've never won it. So this would be always, huge. Always four stars on FIFA mm. by Leverkusen. Yeah. And you always look at it and you think, yeah, they'll be fun to play with, but they don't have a star. And yeah. yet here they are. 
Here they are, Xavi Alonso getting it done. All right, let's leave it there. Uh, get around us on the socials, share with your mates. Uh, we're going to stick around and do a red one. Yeah. Cool. We're gonna, All right. We'll talk very briefly about <laughs> Adelaide's Adelaide's disappointing run of games. We've now lost to West Sydney at home as well, so it's just all racking up. At all what right. point of the match did I leave this week? Tune in to find out. <laughs> all right. Have a good week, folks.